Every time I start to read your shirt, like it freezes. What does it say? Nice. Thank you. Nice. There's a gift for my wife. She bought me about four or five historically funny shirts. So there's one where it says the floor is lava everyone Pompeii 1970 or 70 AD. I don't know about maybe 1972, but. Um, it was a smaller eruption. Yeah. So uh, gold digger shirt. I ain't saying she's a gold digger, but she moved to California in 1849. That's cool. another one she bought for me. Yeah. It's basically a, a San Francisco 49er shirt then. It's got the color. Yeah. Oh, it's big the 49er Gross. red. Yeah. disgusting awesome. that's awesome yeah let's yeah. uh let's get started let's do All it right. what's up everybody heck of a week heck of a week no no we're not doing that right <laughs> oh no, you mean like scratch monday <laughs> Mon that. sunday through saturday yeah seven days of fun yeah <laughs> yeah it's just a Wild, wild week. So just we're not going to try to process that at all because it says my internet yeah. connection is unstable. And I'm wondering if it's telling me that other things are unstable as well. Are you using your internet connection as like the Oracle of Delphi to have or is, into the future? Or is or like, one of the branches of government, whatever, you know. No, I mean, the internet takes too. With all these hot takes, we might get censored. So. You know, we've we got to be careful. Hot takes, hot cakes, dead about history. The internet itself is just being unstable. Can I tell you something? 2021, I think, I'm not going to talk politics, but I think 2021 is letting us know it's it's going to be weird. It's going to be a weird year. If 2020 was a bad year, 2021 is going to be weird because the Cleveland Browns, at halftime, we're winning 35 to seven against the Pittsburgh Steelers in their first game in the playoffs in 18 years. They're without their head coach. They don't have their head coach. No, they were up 28 to zero at the first quarter. Like, yeah, it, it was uh, my, my question was who's getting fired at halftime? Cause <laughs> I'm sorry. If you went, what did you 11 and zero, the Steelers to start? And then you're just getting shellacked by the Browns in the first quarter. Now, now, to be fair, the Browns are obviously good, right? They figured this out finally. And I, I'm happy for them. They're one of my teams that I'm, like, rooting for. But it's when just When you're weird. a Vikings fan, you got to pick multiple teams, I guess. you got to pick other teams because you, you don't end up in your bets. Yeah. 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 <laughs> no, I think, I think you're right. It's weird. It, it it would be weird if 2021 just was like, no, nah, totally normal. Everything will just Like, go. this might be the sun's year. I'm just saying. Whoa. Yeah, it just might Actually, be weird yes. enough. I'll take it. I'll take it, it might be the sun's year. Let's do it. All, you know, LeBron James during the Lakers, they'll be going to the suns for the Western Conference Finals. LeBron James, like, will slip on a towel 
and herniate a disc and then the sun sweep them and then they go and oh. beat the bucks in the finals cameron would be like well he'll slip on one of his tweets i don't know <laughs> <laughs> that happened happen before the playoff yeah. <laughs> so um I, I i think you're right it's gonna be a weird year mm-hmm. well we're not gonna talk about any of that no, we're talking about his nicknames. Historical no. nicknames. Hey, before we before we really get into it, if you don't have your Dadbot History Podcast magnet or sticker, wait, wait, there it is. Like you can just let one of us know, and we will get you one. I'm seeing some of these on cars around town, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, looks like the three of us have them. That's great. Yep. Hey, if you're just putting it on your fridge, that's not good enough. Because I don't, your kids don't need to be watching this or slapping this against the refrigerator. Can I tell you something about that? My brother-in-law, Kyle, who's been on the show, he said, I was talking to him, like, how many do you want? I didn't ask him if he wanted any. I said, how many do you want? Good salesmanship technique. That's an old, uh, that's an old restaurant server technique. You don't ask him, do you want dessert? You say, what do you want for dessert? It's already implied they're going to get dessert. So... He said three. I'll have three car magnets. I said, great. So I'm on a Zoom call with him today. He's got all three on his, on his fridge. He said specifically, anybody. give me three so I can put them on my car. So I'm like, what the heck? So, Kyle. Oh, and just a note to be clear. The, the beverage here is either cream soda or an egg cream or eggnog, whatever you want it to be. It's not necessarily an adult beverage. Don't, thanks, Cameron. <laughs> great, my, great. No, my drink no. of choice just happens to be an adult beverage. That that's fine. That's fine. You're free. That's fine. I'm just saying. It, <laughs> What's that? <laughs> it's a hazy IPA no. Oh, that sounds good. Uh, that sounds really good. Got to be at least 100 degrees outside before you get into Arnold Palmer mode. No. It's funny because... Just got to have the heat on. I have the little Arnold Palmer packets, and I mix it up in my water, and so I've had two Arnold Palmers today. Where do you get oh, those? There you go. You can buy them at Walmart. Well, send me a picture because that sounds yummy. Hey, okay. I mean, it's I, Arizona. It's Arizona tea. That's the company. They come in packets? Packets. And you just mix it in with oh, your water. That's amazing. Yeah. That, I, sure no, I haven't seen that on Walmart in uh, yeah, I don't know why I have to, like, field area. I don't know why I have to do the research for you. <laughs> it's, I'm gonna <laughs> uh, find <Okay>. this. <laughs> Add it to my next order. Yeah. Um so before we or get again, started, do some shutdown Arnold Palmer to rile you up don't even get me started you know over the past <laughs> week i've kind of forgotten about that guy but thanks i'm all angry yeah, again what? okay yeah, tell me what you're because he, he's taking advantage of the moment <laughs> so yeah, i'm just gonna be quiet just shh. smart people learn how to be quiet some do um so tonight we're going to talk about some historical nicknames um I have one thing I want to share before we do that. So I know we don't sponsor, nobody's like sponsoring us. So we're not, but 
I'm not going to mess with this name. Um, uh, this author, Nathan Hale, he writes these books called Nathan Hale's Hazardous Tales and they're graphic novels. And these are uh, number nine, sorry, number nine and 10. And they're all historical. Um, <clears throat> but he, they start out, the first one is about Nathan Hale, the spy who was hung on um, by the British. He has one about Harriet Tubman. He's got one about uh, Doolittle's Raid. He's got one um, about like Lafayette and the Alamo. This one is about uh, Powell, the guy who, the first American to go down the Colorado and map it. And including the Grand Canyon, which is why like Lake Powell is named after him. And then this one is about the Haitian Revolution that led to like the Louisiana Purchase. And it involves like Napoleon and all these people. So I read this this morning, this whole one. And I read this one the last couple of days. Um, what reading level is it? Like my, my, my seventh graders, even fifth graders love these books. I was going to say, could my fifth grader get through it? Yeah, yeah. They're, and they're good. Um, they're... They can be a bit not graphic, but I mean it's it's historical. So the Donner Dinner Party is probably what introduced me to the series. Um, it's really good way to start with. Yeah, it's it's a good one, um, but I highly recommend them. I I mean adults would enjoy them too. I because I do. But anyways, they're all history stuff. So anyways, I just want to share that because I love them. They're good. Cool. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Uh, so before we get into historical nicknames, I think the best way to get into this topic is just what nicknames did you have, uh, as a kid or as a young adult, or even today, do you have any good, I'll tell you one, I'll start. My uncle Jack would call me Jake the snake after the incredible wrestler, Jake, the snake Roberts. Um, and I had no idea who that was at the time. Like, I was just like, yeah, Jake the Snake. But then I figured it out later and I'm like, oh, all right, that's pretty cool. Not Jake so, Plummer? I might be older than Jake Plummer. So, no, I don't think, I don't think Uncle Jack was naming me after Jake Plummer. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but yeah, that was one of my, as a kid, like as a maybe five, six, seven sort of age, I don't, that's Uncle Jack would always call me Jake the Snake. So, did you um, have any? Mine in, in college, uh, there was a basketball player for Duke years ago who, who was named Chris Carowell, and his teammates called him Sewell. And the, the guy that gave me the nickname, his brother actually played at Duke. And he said, oh, yeah, Ron is your nickname. So he told me the story about Chris Carowell. And uh, yeah, everybody on the team called me C-Ron. Mm -hmm. I do remember uh, my... Still there? Was there a follow-up question there, Jake? Uh, I mean, I was just going to... That's really cut now. <laughs> Notoriously, uh, we'll call it thrifty. Frugal. Yeah. 
The yeah. Big Fiscal. Big Fiscal. <laughs> yeah, that's probably my favorite one. That and Big Cunt. Oh, um, now he's back. There he is. You okay? Okay, yeah, I, I, everything got really choppy there uh, after Cameron mentioned his, and then it dropped me. Okay, but it brought me up back in. So, yeah, <clears throat> I What's missed everything after C Ron. Well, we um, Derek, you got this. What? lose him again yeah i'm losing i can't hear you guys at all mm. Mm. all right yeah <laughs> we're not important enough to be shadow banned like no. <laughs> nobody's there's enough, there's nobody's buzzwords big text coming after us okay i think i got <laughs> i think i got us stable again they heard fiscal and freaked yeah. out Oh, I didn't even hear fiscal. I think so. We'll mm. see. Well, you'll you'll enjoy it when you get to watch all this. So, well, I don't know if when mine recorded it. I re- well, should we do that again? Oh my gosh. I mean, we can. The last five. I don't know, Cameron. All right, it's not going to be organic. It was gold, but whatever. <laughs> I just said, Cameron. My favorite name that I bestowed upon him. Was and I gave him many nicknames throughout our tenure as coworkers, but my favorite was the Big Fiscal. Uh, that was it. That was, that was it. That's all I said. And then he said, "Yeah, that's probably your favorite." But I also called him Big Country. Sometimes I called him Big Skinny. Um, big Skinny. That's right. Big City. Pretty much, I just took the word "big" and I Attached added an adjective. Yeah. Cameron. That's yeah. good. <laughs> big Skinny Country City. Really creative. Yeah, you're like you're like Shaq to me. That's I just keep throwing <laughs> nicknames to you. Yeah, but big I don't give my myself favorite. my own nickname. So yeah. Oh yeah, that's what I said. You're the big fiscal because your game is thrifty. That's what it was. <laughs> that's <right>. <laughs> <laughs> big fiscal, my game is thrifty. <laughs> yep, that's what it was. All right. Now we can move on, Eric. What was your nickname? (laughs) Well, my first experience with a nickname was with my uncle. We were fishing out in Minnesota, and he kept calling me Rookie. Okay. But I was like seven, and I didn't understand what Rookie meant, and I got really irritated with him. And I went to my mom, and I'm like, Uncle Ron keeps calling me Rookie. And she's like, that just means you're new. And I'm like, I don't like it. So that was my first experience with like a nickname that that stuck in my head. I think I had like a bunch of buckshots and things from Ooh, buckshot, other uncles. Yeah. Um, but the nickname I kind of got in high school and stuck with, um, <clears throat> it's kind of been with me ever since, was we, uh, there's two Eric's there uh, in our little group of friends. And the other was Eric Caldwell and I was Eric Hoffman. And so you know, it might've been Nick, honestly, or uh, another friend, Bobby, who was just like, you know, it's, it's the Hoffman or, you know, it, it was Hoffman. Then it was the Hoffman. Then it was the Hoffman. And then someone put the Hoff Furman in there and kind of ec- added that extra syllable. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of stuck just the Hofferman. So. Yeah. That's the only nickname I've ever known you by, but I never actually call you that. Does anybody call you that anymore? 
Uh, no, not really. I mean, I'll, it, Nick might, my buddy Bobby might, but yeah. um, if if I saw like Chad, he might drop it, but unlikely. Yeah. Yeah. Here's a question, Jake. I know the answer to this question from, you know, what what your wife calls you, just husband. Mm, but yes, Eric, does your wife call you anything other than just Eric? Uh, oh, there's a bunch of different things. <laughs> oh, okay. It, it must have struck a chord there. <laughs> Can I? You know, you get your sweeties, you get your honeys, you get, you know. Uh-huh. You know, there's Did others. <laughs> one time. No, no, no. I remember one time we were I wasn't drunk. going anywhere with this. I, I didn't know the answer to that question. No, but one time we were drunk. At the, we were at the cabin. Oh and we my were gosh. Hammered. That's... And Amy was there. It was me, you, Joel, and Amy. And we started bestowing sexy nicknames to oh ourselves. My <laughs> and I think I think Eric ended up with like hot lips or something like that. <laughs> hot lips Hoffman. Nice. So, yeah. I think Thunder Thighs got thrown around <laughs> in the group. Thunder Thighs was one of them. It was either me or Joel. I don't remember. <laughs> but sorry. Oh, good times. No, that's great. But, but we were only drinking orange cream soda. So don't worry about it, kids. It was. Yeah. Really no, they were just ice cold. Yeah. <laughs> the great segue into our, uh, freezes. our episode. And, yeah. It's <laughs> <That's> good. <laughs> good. So, I'm glad I asked. Sorry, I didn't mean to sidetrack no, that. But. No, that's fine. It's fine. Yeah. Hot <laughs> lips Hoffman. <laughs> okay. Well, with that, I think that is a great segue into our, yeah, our topic. Just, we'll just wrap so, it. And, yeah. Well, this is that's the end of the show. We're going to get into the actual historical. No, I think that'll drive games. enough traffic on its own. <laughs> okay. Well, let's, let's at least try. Okay. Um, so... I think this topic started because I did a like a little one minute monarch about Charles the Bald. Yeah, and you can see that video right here. Just click right there. Click right there and you go see Charles the Bald. We're here. But make sure you come back to this episode after. Stop pointing other places. It's gonna be right there. Right in there. Like, subscribe, follow. (laughs) There you go. I don't know what else to say. So anyway, I was talking about Charles of Bald. He was the grandson of Charlemagne. And it's kind of an unfortunate uh, cognomen or nickname that he had because Charlemagne literally means Charles the Great. And then his his great-great-grandfather, Charles Martel, Martel is the hammer. And so you go from these awesome, impressive nicknames that your ancestors had, and then you follow that up with the bald. Um and so it just kind of spurred this topic. I know Eric and I, you were chatting with, we were chatting with each other about it and what other monarchs had kind of unique nicknames specifically throughout Europe. Like I, I know there's some in other parts of the world, Asia and Africa and the Middle East, but man, it sure seemed like the Europeans loved just throwing weird nicknames um, to their monarchs to kind of point out a, unique trait of them or to describe their reign. Um, and so that's just kind of brought us to where we are. And uh, so I, I think before, we, and 
is that kind of what you noticed, Eric, when you were doing some research on this is kind of, yeah. How, and one not of the just things, like, did they have them contemporaneously or did it after the fact or, you know? Well, yeah. And one of the things is, is to, um, one of, one of the, the people that I chose is, is not European. Um, but you know, a lot of this probably comes out of Latin naming Roman naming conventions, right? So they had, what they called the tria nomina uh, and the tria nomina is three names. And there's, there's three names you have in Latin or in Rome. The first being the praenomen, which is like a first name, Marcus, Gaius. Um, there's a whole, um, <clears throat> there's actually only about a dozen or so masculine praenomen, um, this is kind of like, like I said, your first name, um, that were common. You think like, um, Agrippa, um, Faustus, Gaius, uh, Lucius, Marcus, uh, Octavius. Those are all praenomen, like Titus would be one. Then you have your, your nomen and your nomen was kind of like, uh, the, the gens name. Yeah. The gens, the family, the clan. So the, the man we know as Julius Caesar <clears throat> was actually Gaius Julius and Gaius was his first name and Julius was his clan name. He was of the Julian clan. Mm -hmm. And then you have your cognomen, which is a nickname. Um, it's like an additional personal name that, that comes later on, right? And Caesar, uh, Gaius Julius Caesar might've meant Harry. Uh, big nosed, red haired, all like Africanus would be one because um, Scipio had done campaigns in Africa, right? So, kind of the idea that you have this nickname that comes after, um, you know, it's very likely that that stems from ancient Rome, <clears throat> at least for the Europeans. And so, why that might be more common there, it's, it's a possible uh, origin of that. Mm -hmm. And, and a lot of time, well, obviously it was Caesar, right? After Julius Caesar, that became everybody a title. adopted that as the title for the emperor of Rome. Yeah, and you and actually then, see that that word Caesar go to the front, like Caesar mm -hmm. Augustus and Caesar, yeah. uh, you know, what, whatever it is. And then even that word Caesar becomes Kaiser, becomes czar in Russia and Germany. Um, so, yeah, that, I mean, that's an interesting case for that that nickname stuck for 2000 years in usage. Mm -hmm. So with that, you know, and, and like you said, a lot of the European names probably derive from how the Romans did it. Um, and with, you know what, I, I guess I'll start with one of mine and I tried to pick some ones that I was a little unfamiliar with, but um, and so neither of mine really follow the Roman style. <clears throat> um, so the first one I picked was Harold uh, Bluetooth. And if you're wondering, he is the namesake of Bluetooth technology. If you actually look at the little, the little runes, yeah, it's got runes and the runes are actually his initials um h and b and that's what it stands for and and it's funny how bluetooth the guy that developed it i was reading about the history of it and it was in 1997 uh jim kardak of intel was developing the system that would allow mobile phones to communicate with computers 
At the time of this proposal, he was reading Franz Bankston's historical novel, The Longships, about 10th century Danish King Harold Bluetooth. But that doesn't tell us why Harold Bluetooth was called Harold Bluetooth. Can you take a guess? He had a Bluetooth? He had a Bluetooth. That was it. <laughs> that's, as, that's as sophisticated as the Vikings got with their nicknames. Um, so reading about Harold Bluetooth, he was a Viking king in the 11th century AD, uh, king of the Danes. And um, his name was just, and here it comes from, is the by-named is called Block Tent and explicitly glossed as bluish or black tooth uh, in a chronicle in the 12th century. So the nickname, as far as we know, came after his lifetime. So nobody called Harold Bluetooth, Harold Bluetooth when he's alive, probably for fear of being killed by him. Um, but after the fact, they, they gave him that nickname. Um, and it just probably means he had a, a, some sort of, you know, a dead tooth. And that was his distinguishing characteristic is that Harold Bluetooth. And just kind of funny that the little, <laughs> the thing that we, think is responsible for letting our phones talk to our computers and our headsets and all that stuff is named after some old Viking king who had a dead tooth. Huh. That's cool. So that's what I got. That's good. Dental health. I mean, it's important. <laughs> yeah. They didn't have, they didn't have free dental in 11th century uh, Denmark like they do today. Well, how much do you think they charged to knock the thing out? <clears throat> they just went and fought at the next battle. Yeah. That's how they dealt with it. Yeah. Right. Just got the teeth that makes knocked sense. out then. Yeah. You might, you might get, you know, two for the price of one mm -hmm. in that case. You might just get multiple <laughs> knocked out. Yeah. That's coming from the big fiscal. Big fiscal knows how to save that money. <laughs> <laughs> so when I was going through mine, I was looking for nicknames that are pretty iconic stuff that's stuck in your mind. So, you know, the, the Charles, the bald got me thinking of blank, the blank. And mm -hmm. when I just thought of typical nickel names like that, the first one that I, that I came up with was Jack the Ripper and not everybody knows about that. I had to Google it and learn about it, but it's, it's kind of a cool story. So 1888 London, um, this guy was a, a literal serial killer and he'd go around the city and, and, um, just seemingly killing at random. And there were all these theories and all the newspapers went absolutely nuts. Um, but they thought that he might've been a surgeon, something like that. But and this, you know, we all say that the media is out of control and the media just does, does so much to our society today. But back then, you know, the, there's a story about Jack the Ripper wrote to a local newspaper and attached to the letter is a preserved human kidney, just, you know, sitting there saying, okay, here's who I am. Here's what I'm doing. Um, they never caught him. There's no um, identity to Jack the Ripper. And I think that made his, um, you know, his, his legend grow. Apparently he's only responsible for five victims. I mean, quote unquote only, um, 
but some of the other serial killers throughout history were responsible for a lot more than that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, he was he was really active in reaching out and seems like his his goal was to just make as many people scared as possible. Um, so yeah, only only five victims, and it was through a period of only three months too. And yet here he is. We're talking about him, you know. 140 years later or whatever it is um, in countless stories in folklore and whatever um, kind of cool that, you know, he, he was so well known for something seemingly so small, but obviously they were pretty gruesome murders and pretty ugly in all ways because, you know, you earn a nickname like that typically. Yeah. And I've seen, uh, I guess like true crime, a couple of true crime shows about him. And it's, it's just so intriguing because there's so much we don't know. And it just makes you want to like dig into it. And it, you know, it's, it's kind of macabre, but he was, it was a really fascinating story that mm-hmm. kind of, like you said, kind of captured the, the minds of the people, especially in London um, at that time. Yeah. And one of the things, you know, you look back historically and, you know, how did this help somebody's uh, story or how, how did he become so famous again? And um, that was a time in which people were really starting to become more literate. Um, school became became required in London a few years prior to that. So everybody was going to school circa 1880. So eight years later, not only was he kind of a a showman, he was very aware of everybody's watching this and now everybody can read. So it was mass media um, really kind of grew his, uh, you know, his legend again. So big education really pushed the murder. Big government. Making people I thought we were getting political. I thought we were getting political tonight, guys. Come on. Well, I'll say it's funny. It's British think, politics. It's totally yeah, those very good for us. It doesn't count. Uh, uh, I think that was around the time Arthur Conan Doyle was writing his short stories mm-hmm. of Sherlock Holmes mm-hmm. in the Strand. And so how crazy would it be that you have these, you know, little puzzler stories written by about Sherlock Holmes. And then in, in real life, London, you have a mystery that nobody can solve that's mm-hmm. going on and it's capturing the pot. Like that would be pretty wild. Yeah. And I remember reading or on this one show, it was, uh, they, they, they were talking about the murders and like in one night, I think he killed two people in the same night and they killed them like just a few blocks away from each other. And basically the cops were so incompetent that he probably walked right in front of them as he was going from yeah. one murder to the next. Yeah. It's like, oh man. And there's there's so many um, satirical cartoons that I'm looking at on the internet right now that, you know, that they were making fun of cops and they were making fun of why hasn't this guy gotten caught? And again, yeah. it's, it's only over a three month period. It's only quote unquote five people. Um, but that terrified people back then because it was, yeah. Even, even that was kind of a trope in the uh, Sherlock Holmes novels. The the police were incompetent, yeah. unable to solve this stuff. True. 
I am curious as to the overlap. I, I can't, the years don't. I know that Doyle was writing in the 1890s. I don't know if he wrote at the same time as Jack the Ripper, but I, I know he was writing in the 1890s, early 1900s. Um, and he, yeah, by he, way, he, get this, I just Googled it and uh, he created the character Sherlock Holmes in 1887. So, okay, so yeah, yeah we've been during this time. So what did perfect. he know and when did he know it? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. I wonder just if like, Arthur Conan Doyle has a surgical background. Yeah. I just We're figure so it out. You heard it here first, folks. Uh huh. Solved. <laughs> Check that box. We can, we can mark that one. Solved. Episode Ancient we, Mysteries. Solved. Yeah. You know, if we just become like a true crime podcast, we'll just be solving yeah. these things left and right. <laughs> well, and I mean, I can. No, crime podcast so you know we'd, we'd be the only one there's a lot of true crime pro podcasts i don't know if there's a lot of lazy true crime podcasts because that's what we would be hitting that market oh yeah like well i heard something and uh i'm pretty sure that that means this is the guy so, i have a niche market but i, yeah. I think we're gonna own it lock him up yeah <laughs> <laughs> solved ish you're welcome police <laughs> You know, okay, speaking of which, I was supposed to have jury duty this week. Did you say solved-ish? Yeah, yeah, ish. Yeah, it's close enough. There's a continuum. It's on a spectrum of not solved, solved, and we're kind of in here. Okay, you're going to be on jury duty. Yeah, I was. And so here, it's you have you serve jury duty for the week of... And then every day you have to call in um, or look on the internet. And they, they took nobody this week. There were no jury cases this week. It's just kind of well, wild. I think that if the next time you get called for jury duty, because I was going to postpone you it. present them with this video. And <laughs> I think you'll be a shoe in to make it. Oh, yeah. Oh, 100% get you off. Solved Sir, can you ish. sit back down? No, no. I have a presentation to make. <laughs> Direct your attention to YouTube. Um, yeah. I can explain why I can solve this case for you. You don't need me as a juror. <laughs> this guy is guilty. The only juror. He's yeah. guilty enough. He's, He's guilty, guilty of something. Enough. We're all guilty of something, Your Honor. Lock us all up. <laughs> so I was going to postpone it. I gambled. I could have postponed to the summer, but I gambled. This is our first week back uh, since the break. And I was like, all right, well, maybe I won't get called. And nobody got called. It was great. So Awesome. Dodge a bullet. I think the, the California District Court lost that on an opportunity to not have your I know. cutting legal mind. Um, you know, after... After me being on a jury for two weeks, I'm sure I could be named to the Supreme Court. Yeah, I'm sure you know, he was could. a he was a juror for two weeks. Not a jurist, juror, but good enough. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait. Uh, as long as that doesn't conflict with me being president. All right. No, why would it? Can it be both? Taft was both, wasn't he? Yeah, at the same time, well, he was, I, he was chief justice, justice and president. He was chief justice after he was president. Yeah. Wow. And uh, 
I feel like there were some other former presidents that became justices. John Quincy Adams became a congressman after he was president. There was a few early on that became congressmen or senators afterwards. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. So yeah, back to nicknames. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So first of all, this first one um, is a sobriquet, which is a French word. That's a nickname that's um, it's given. It's a descriptive nickname, but it can be distinct from the original name so that you can say the name and you know who it is. Like the Sun King is Louis the Fourteenth. Um, <clears throat> Old Blood and Guts is a nickname that is assigned to somebody and we know who that is, right? That's Patton. Patton. So this one um, I saw, and since I was reading this book and Napoleon uh, features greatly in this book, um, I had to go with this one. It's Napoleon of the Pacific, who is actually uh, King Kamehameha the first of the kingdom of Hawaii. And so he's got this nickname of Napoleon of the Pacific. And I think that's a pretty new nickname that's been given to him by some more recent authors. Uh, but he was king from uh, 1782 until 1819. So he reigned for like 38, 37 years. Um, he's also known as Kamehameha the Great. And it makes sense that he would be Napoleon of the Pacific because he united the Hawaiian islands. They were a group of clans um, and the, these smaller tribes that he united basically through force and through warfare. Um, he did have assistance and kind of some alliances with um, some, British, right? some, some of the British, but one of the best stories um, takes place on Oahu, which is Oahu is where Honolulu is. It's the main Island of Hawaii. Uh, Oahu means gathering place. Uh, Mia will be really impressed that I know as much as I do and that I can yeah. somewhat pronounce some of these. Uh, we have to get her on at some point, but um, <clears throat> Kamehameha um, in one of the kind of the last battles that he's fighting against um, Kaiyani, who was like the kind of like the chieftain of that local area. Um, they take him up to this place called Pelly Lookout, which if you've ever been to Hawaii, it overlooks the windward side of the island, which is greener, um, the eastern side of the island. Um, and if you stand at Pelly Point, it's extremely windy there. The, the, the wind comes up um, from the valley and it pushes through these, these breaks in the mountains. And so they, they kind of corner um, these other troops, um, these 400 troops at Pelly Lookout. And Kamehameha, basically, they go to battle with him and they end up pushing 400 men off this thousand foot cliff Jeez. into the forest below. And Kaiyani, who was one of these, um, I believe he was one of the other the opponents, was killed. Uh, Kalaniku, oh, Kalanikupule, um, who was another leader, was captured and sacrificed. Um, and from that point on, Kamehameha basically became the sole king of Hawaii. And, you know, by United the Islands, he kind of becomes a uh, Napoleon of the Pacific, right? He unites all this, this land through force. Um, 
and becomes king. And his his reign, um, <clears throat> I believe it's followed by his, um, I want to say his uh, Kamehameha II, one of his sons, um, I believe so. And then eventually it's going to end less than 100 years later under, um, uh, oh, my gosh, I'm, I'm losing her name. Um, not copy line. Yeah. Uh, oh my gosh. It's, it's, um, cause I teach better all the time. Um, Liliu Kalani. Yeah. Yeah. So Liliu Kalani, who less than a hundred years later is going to basically oversee, um, the illegal U S seizure of Hawaii and, um, as a territory under very dubious means. Um, and again, that's, that's something I really want to have Mia on for, and we can talk that in more detail. Um, even Grover Cleveland said, this is absolutely illegal and Congress has no right to do this, um, to take Hawaii. So yeah, that's Kamehameha the first. Napoleon of the Pacific. Yeah, that's a good one. Jake, what you got? Um, okay, I have a, another one. This one is a non-European. Um, his, he was a sultan of the Ottoman Empire from 1566 to 1574. His name was Salim II. And his nickname was Salim the Drunkard. So uh, I was I was doing a little research on him. Cheers. Cheers, <laughs> indeed. He would fit in well. And uh, I was doing a little research on him. He, he took, and I think this is why I picked him. It's not so much that his name is Salim the Drunkard or Salim the Drunk, but is that his father's name was Salim or Suleiman the Magnificent. So it's another one of those, dad was really, really awesome. And then you got to live up to that. Sorry. Good luck. Like his dad conquered much of like Eastern and Central Europe, expanded their reach throughout the, the world. And then Salim the second. Is he a Turk? Not so much. Ottoman Turk? But, yeah, he was an Ottoman Turk. So this was obviously after they had taken Constantinople. Um, their, their empire was vast. I think under the reign of his father, Salim the first, some 25 million people were part of the Ottoman Empire. So it was huge at this time. In fact, it might have been the only real empire in the world because the English hadn't really left their shores yet. And uh, I guess Spain did. Spain and Portugal had some pretty big empires. But uh, Selim II was, um, it says here that his character is he's introduced as a generous monarch who's a fond of pleasure and entertainment in the sources of the period. He's fond of drink councils, which sounds like something a little bit more intense than just some buddies going to the pub. Um, enjoys the presence of scholars and poets, as well as musicians, wrestlers, and connoisseurs. Um, and then another article says, <clears throat> Uh, he's known as Selim the Drunk. He retired almost completely from decision-making process in the Ottoman Empire. Um, and it says, 
part of this is because of the way his dad ended his reign as he um, kind of left everything to the council so that the, the emperor wasn't as involved in, in the day-to-day -day routines of the empire. And so his son, Selim II, took that to more of an extreme. Um, he just wanted to sleep off his hangover. Kind of, yeah. Like It says like, before this, the sons of the sultans were expected to be in the military. They were expected to engage in matters of state, you know, like rule, get ready to rule the nation. And after this, Selim was like, eh, that's like someone else's problem. Uh, it said he was the first disinterested sultan. <laughs> like, I don't know how, like, eh, I don't care. Just do whatever. I don't just <laughs> keep the wine flowing. Um, this other article is not as generous uh, as the first one. It says he's addicted to sexual and alcoholic pleasures, passing most of his time in the harem. Like, there's a, I don't know. It's just, it just struck me how, opposite he was of his father, who's this great conqueror, expanded the empire to unknown heights. And then his son is like, you know what? It's, it's, it's too busy. It's, you know, it's a, it's a day that ends in why I, I don't want to get up today and, and deal with all this nonsense. You guys take care of it. Yeah. There's so, a lot of great ways to um, characterize leaders, but disinterested is yeah. not one I've ever heard. <laughs> Yeah. You know, we we kind of dump on our whole electoral system here in the United States and maybe it doesn't yeah. give us the best candidates or even the best presidents. But my heavens, the uh, the old the old pass it on to your kid thing. Just a yeah. lot of examples of that not working out too well. And, and I'm a little confused because I was reading about this and they said, like, Selim the first, the magnificent, kind of tried to set up a system where you wouldn't raise your child to become the sultan. So you, it wouldn't be a patriarchy, I guess. But then after Selim's only eight year reign as the sultan of the empire, um, his son took over for him. So I, I don't know. I, so he was so disinterested in like figuring out a successor, it just went back to his son. Um, he also, during his reign in 1571, uh, he had an, uh, his, the Ottoman Navy was defeated by uh, a union of uh, Christian states called the Holy League, um, and they were defeated. They lost 50 ships, sorry, 50 were sunk, 117 galleys were captured, 20 galleots were captured, and 30,000 Turks were lost in battle, and 10,000 were taken prisoner. So... Uh, you can see, right, as they say, leadership starts at the top. And you can see things did not go so great for him, his reign as sultan. So, I, I don't know, he just stuck out to me. Yeah, so Eric, as bad as our system of democracy is, it is a far better system than handing it to your lays it lays about it, sun i mean our system is the worst out there except for every other system every that's system. ever been right Who so that was that churchill <laughs> prop i mean a i think lot it was churchill he said been. yeah all right that's my other one Celine yeah. the second that's a good one um when i when i was going through presidents because i wanted to get an american president in there and when you think of american presidents and, and nicknames. Okay, 
bull moose that is near the top. You know, there's there's a couple, you know, really, really famous ones throughout history and, and the stories mm-hmm. that go with it. But Old Hickory is one that really, really good story, really, really good nickname. And Andrew Jackson, you know, we all think, we all like to think maybe that we're tough guys and we're all, you know, reasonably can can handle ourselves. Here we are talking about the the bar fight episodes and everything. But this guy, I mean, he was literally earned that nickname for being stoic in battle. He would just stand there in the middle of the battlefield, yell out orders, say, you go here, you go here. Didn't care about getting shot, didn't care about getting hit. And he was just planting himself there in the battlefield. Um, this is an era, you know, we, we've talked about um, Alexander Hamilton and, and how he died, but he lived in an era where gunfights were common and he was a gunfighter. He was a um, obviously very successful military man and also was in the Tennessee Supreme Court. So he did all of these things and, oh, by the way, was president of the United States. So Old Hickory really mm-hmm. stood out in my mind as a, you know, heavy hitter. So the name that he earned, um, his critics gave him, you didn't want to bring up? Well, what was his? Jackass. Oh. And it Ooh. became the unofficial symbol of the Democratic Party. <laughs> really? Apparently. That was what his critics threw at him. Wow. Okay. And I he mean, just he he clung on to it. Well, and for him, and with him, right? I'm I'm looking up at an article because I I remember hearing, and I couldn't give you a source or where I heard it, but I remember hearing that when he died, he had like eight musket balls <laughs> still in his body. At the, it's like he he just carried them around after yeah. being shot so many times. I'm looking it up, and then like, well, duels. I know he had some duels specifically against Charles Dickinson. But he had three duels, three duels that he's famous for. Not many people get that many do-overs in a duel. And he, like, (laughs) that tells you something uh, about, like you said, his toughness. Uh, Bullets just glanced off of him. He didn't have to move on the Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, he was something else. And anybody born before 1900 was just so much tougher than the toughest people you know you know (laughs) it's incredible can i just read the quote jackson knowing that he was about to duel in dickinson an excellent marksman prepared for the event by wearing an overly large coat to disguise his body's form and to disguise where his heart was located if he even had one um he also planned on letting Dickinson shoot him first so that he could take his time with <laughs> aiming and fire a well-placed shot. That is, and it worked. He killed <laughs> Dickinson. Like, that's what's crazy. Here, man, I'll give you the first shot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you got those schoolyard boys. We'll give you the first punch. Jackson's like, you can shoot me, and then that way I can compose myself and place my shot at you. Yeah. Like, can, I, can I change my five? Yeah. <laughs> I want five Andrew Jacksons. Yeah. Jeez Louise. Oh my gosh. Yeah, one of the one of the all-time nicknames for sure. Yes. Well, you know what I read? Um, 
actually this morning about the Haitian revolution is that it was a slave revolt is that at one point the slaves um, basically rolled up cotton really thick and made like these cotton like shields that they wore over their bodies to catch the musket balls that were being fired at them. Hmm. And it, it worked to a point, like at one point, you know, they'd go through, but like they could take a few musket balls before like they were having trouble. I guess, I mean, that makes sense because in, in the middle ages underneath the armor, um, you had these things called gambesons, which is basically just really thick linen that mm-hmm. was stitched to provide protection. Um, and it was effective at stopping a lot of arrows actually. Hmm. Um, so I guess it wouldn't be too, I mean, no, not a hundred percent, but it was right. more effective than one would think, but just what if, what if one of those guys out. is in the NFL and, you know, runs a crossing route over the middle and gets drilled. I mean, he's not even going to feel the slot yeah, receiver. Not- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's it. We just wrap them up in, in a, Really thick cotton. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if it can stop a musket ball, right. that's something. Well, I mean, a musket a, ball, a strong safety. it's a yeah. lot of force here rather than, you know, a 250-pound lineman who's 6'4". Look, if we can offer legal judgments in five minutes, we can offer... Yeah. You know what? Um, You're right. Physics judgments in You're right. five we can, minutes, too. We so can solve the NFL safety problem. <laughs> Wrap everyone up so they look like the yeah. Michelin man. Yeah, yeah. That works. They're all going to be slow, but we can all be also be scouts and and GMs at the NFL level too. I mean, it's what I'm getting out of this conversation. I think so. Um, Yeah. Jackson. (laughs) I mean, you can, there's some other issues with Jackson, the man, but you can't knock his toughness. Uh, (laughs) That's impressive. That's impressive. I'm going to let you shoot me so that I can aim if yeah. I got shot, I would not be <laughs> I would not be placing a well-placed return fire. Oh, you know, man. that seems like a like a very different approach to dueling than in the late 1700s when like Alexander Hamilton was dueling and it's kind of about honor. We're both going to shoot into the air. We're not going to shoot to hurt each other. We're just going to we're both going to show that we're willing to let someone shoot at us and then we'll shake hands and be like, "Yeah, we're done with it." Uh, I guess as time went on, people were less or more about just shooting to kill and getting the job done. One of those guys went on to become president and one of them didn't. So apparently Jackson's method worked a little bit better. There you go. (laughs) Well, Hamilton had kind of shot himself in the foot, metaphorically speaking. Yeah. But, you know. Throwing the shot. Yeah. All right. No, that's... That was a good pick, Cameron. That was a really good pick. <laughs> so, can't, or Eric. All right. So, you're so second. I was going through a list. This one is European. Um, <clears throat> it's Louis the Eleventh of France, and um, he has this. He has two nicknames. The nickname that's kind of the official one is Louis the Louis the Prudent. Um, he lived fourteen twenty three to fourteen eighty three. Um, and he reigned for about 22 years. Um, his 
his predecessor and successor were Charles's. Um, but what's interesting about him is that he kind of oversaw a few things that happened in France. First of all, kind of like the end of the Hundred Years' War. So he um, negotiated this treaty that uh, the Treaty of uh, Pekigny, I think that's pronounced correctly, um, that basically said the English have to leave French lands, including Normandy, and basically give up their any any claims they had to those lands and just leave. And the French basically paid them to do this, right? Louis XI arranged for them to be paid. And so he kind of had this thing where, you know, he's like, my father drove the English out through force of arms, but I drove them out by force of pate, venison, and good French wine. Um, so Louis XI, though, his other nickname is kind of where I was stuck. Uh, he's Louis XI, the spider, or the universal spider. And this comes from a couple things that he did. One was that um, he basically created a spy network through creating this kind of like postal relay system all over France. Um, and it was a precursor to the French Postal Service. Um, and so he was he was this kind of like, he, he wasn't necessarily the military king. He was about building an infrastructure that he could use to spy on enemies, that he could use to, um, you know, create networks of trade um, and maintaining roads. So he was very much about like organizing France. And what that ends up doing as well is it basically he's the first king of, mod of France who's like modern, right? This is the first modern French king takes him out of the Middle Ages, starts building roads, starts building communication systems, and then uses it to spy on people. And so he gets this nickname, The Spider, um, to the point that he's actually even mentioned in um, The Prince by Niccolo Machiavelli, um, even though Machiavelli kind of denigrated him, said he, he wasn't really, he didn't take the necessary steps that would have been prudent to actually um, look far ahead. Um, but I mean, if Machiavelli is putting you in his book, you did something correct um, and kind of used this, you know, was all about realpolitik, right? Like what's going to actually be effective uh, for maintaining rule and establishing our kingdom. Especially when you think about that, he ended the Hundred Years' War, which was... I mean, it's uh, he was, I was actually 120 years, but yeah, you know, France and England had been enemies for even predating the Hundred Years' War. Um, they were always kind of rivals with one another. So for him to be able to end that and end it effectively, that alone is remarkable, mm -hmm. um, and and tells you something about his his political acumen to be able to do that and to put France in a position of strength. Uh, at the same time. So that, that is, um, yeah, I didn't know that about him. That's a really cool story. Yeah. And the spy, the spy thing, the second you said the spider, I was like, Oh, Lord Barris, uh, yeah. Game of Thrones. but you <laughs> know, all that's birds probably, everywhere. That's probably where George R. R. Martin got the idea. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's very possible. I, and I'm sure he's not the only one who had a similar system, but mm -hmm. this idea that you have a web of, of 
knowledge that you've mm-hmm. created to inform you in your in your rule is is you know it's a it's a really neat uh i guess imagery for what you're doing um because if somebody does get caught in your web that's you know they're stuck right yeah one well, and it's almost a proto modern type government that he's running right yeah deal with your deal with your enemies through diplomacy and and economics deal you know, and, and secure your reign through information, not swords. I mean, that's a very modern take on on nation states. And, and you know, it's interesting. Um, I'm reading this biography, Grant, about uh, Ulysses S. Grant. And prior to the Civil War, obviously, the Civil War allows the U.S. Gov- federal government to expand in ways it hasn't been. Um, but prior to the Civil War, one of the main functions that the only way that people were really affected by the federal government was through the postal system Mm. before the civil war. Like that was one of the main functions of government at that point. That's, that's something that everybody dealt with. Right. So it's kind of interesting, you know, communication information seems to be an important piece of how government deals with people. And that goes back hundreds of years. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, when you think about information and the postal service and how powerful it is, and, and that all came for the government, and they could have really done anything with that power. But by and large, it, you know, when you think of the postal service, you don't think of you know negativity and stealing information or anything. It's just a simple public service. But mm-hmm. yeah, in, in historical context, that's a cool. Well, and when we talked about the Mongols, Eric, um, one of their legacies was their ability to, they had circuits and they had riders so they could transport information across a, an empire that stretched from Moscow to China. Um, and, and part of their effectiveness was their ability to, to do that. And, and the mail carriers, if that's what you want to call them, had signets that said basically they're free to travel the entire empire. If you cost them, then we'll hunt you down. And like, so and another, what? one of those and what hunt you down and what and levy a very stiff fine. Yes, <laughs> lots of sanctions. Give yes. you a so, stern talking to. It's a federal offense to mess with the mail. You don't want to mess with the mail in the Mongol Empire. Um, so anyway, that's interesting. That's kind of interesting that I'm sure. It was Louis, right? He wasn't the first European. He was the 11th, actual. <laughs> he was the 11th. <laughs> but he wasn't the first European to, I'm sure, to use spies, but he was probably one of the first to use an, a true spy network. Yeah. So that's pretty interesting. Is that it? We got, that's all I had. I only so had two. I, I, I only have two, but I, I do have a special list of nicknames i want to share with you so if you want to get this special list you need to pay um so go to our patreon page and uh right that's we don't have one set up so we can set one up if oh, people want to give one. us money never mind i take it back i i can set one up it's, it's before free. this goes out but just send i don't it, know what it's gonna be called yet send us a check venmo eric yes. yeah i'll take okay. it okay um, check through the mail better yet yeah so i did have the post office <laughs> 
through my spy network, please. Um, <laughs> you know, I had, I had seen that list of presidents and their nicknames, and I thought that was funny because um, I, I I look at our most recent president, and there's nothing about Orange Man under there for nicknames, but like Slick Willie, W, um, the Teflon president. You know, just some of these fun nicknames, but I found a, a list of nicknames that were used by George W. Bush while he was president for other people. Oh, he wasn't giving himself nicknames. Oh no, that oh no. Great. So this list is what he called other people. All right, so I, I'm not going to give you everything, but he had two nicknames for Vladimir Putin. Ostrich legs and pooty poot. <laughs> um, That's awesome. He called Silvio Berlusconi shoes. I'm guessing could he probably had really shoes. fancy shoes. Yeah. Dick Cheney. He had he called him big time or just vice. Big time. Hey, what's up, big time? <laughs> Carl Rove. <laughs> He had three, Boy Genius, The Architect, or Turd Blossom, <laughs> apparently. Uh, he called Colin Powell world, the world's greatest hero. Okay. Um, let's see. Ari Fleischer, he called Ari Bob. Not sure what that's about. Um. Joe Alba, who is a federal emergency management agency director, FEMA director, big country. Mm, nice. Stole it. You know what? Okay, this one's kind of clever. George Tenet, who was a CIA director, he called him Brother George. You know, Big Brother George would have been more apt. Right. Uh, the Secretary of Education, Margaret Spellings, he called La Margarita. <laughs> All this makes me want is to hang out with George W. Bush. Oh, my God. <laughs> I think Mooney Poot's my favorite so far, though. Yeah. Mary Madeline, Madeline, who was assistant to Dick Cheney, he called M&M. Like M&M. Anyways. Yeah, I get it. Initials. Jonathan Horn. Horny. <laughs> hey, hey, Horny. <laughs> um, Ronnie Jackson was a physician. <laughs> physician to the president. <laughs> Call him Scrote. <laughs> Just I. George W. Bush, best president. Wasn't ever. Ronnie Jackson was the physician uh, into Trump's term? I think he just resigned a couple years Possibly. ago after he gave that glowing physical. I'm pretty sure he was like he's been physician to the president for a while now. I wonder if the name stuck when Obama took over. <laughs> Um, I can't see Obama. Yeah, yeah, that. right up until yeah. December of 2019. Yeah, I would well, agree. Hold I, on, because I know Trump would have called him that. Well, now he's he just he just took uh, he's a Texas representative to the house, okay. just took office, but he was only Donald Trump's uh, chief medical advisor for not even a year. But he yeah. was in from 2013 to 2018. Huh. Interesting. 
Um, okay, so John Boehner, we know what that one was. I don't. It's boner. Um, <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger, he called him Conan the Republican. Okay. <laughs> oh, so uh, um, let's see. Okay, these two might be my favorite. Barbara Boxer and Diane Feinstein were two California senators, or, or Barbara Boxer was called Barbara Boxer Ali and Diane Feinstein Frazier. Uh, oh, Ali yeah, and Frazier. Did a campaign okay. with behind the scenes video of him talking it up with his cabinet. Yeah, that's awesome. That's really funny. Um, God, he's such a fun. And, I know he's, you got, he's got to take his lumps, but man, he yeah. said some funny things. Yeah, he did. Or somebody like was asking him, and I don't know what the question was about, but it's like it was some policy in Iraq, or you know, if it was, you know, it was probably something to do with Iraq because things weren't going well at the time, and basically like, well, who makes the decisions? And he goes, I do. I'm the decider. Like he's just like he's always so goofy. Like I make the decision. I'm the decider. And then he wrote a book called Decision Points. And, you know, then he also said, uh, don't misunderestimate me. And, and he goes, uh, it's another time. He goes, fool me once. Shame on you. Fool me twice. Uh, well, you're, you're not going to fool me twice. <laughs> Everything about him was just like, he's always just like, oh, so close. You're just so close, buddy. Hey, you so, know what? You still get points anyways for trying. Yeah. You liked it. Yeah. Anyway, those that was a good list. So all right. Anything else, Eric? No, no, that was all I had. I, I was gonna kind of look at some of the presidents, but uh I didn't realize FDR was called that man in the White House. That couldn't have been by his friends. No you don't call your friends <laughs> that man in the white you don't yeah. Well, when I'm president, you can say that. That's fine. Okay. I'm going to bring that one back. FDR. Okay. Uh, William Henry Harrison, Tippecanoe. Mm -hmm. was his. So he fought at the battle of Tippecanoe. Yeah. Thomas Jefferson was the man of the people, according to Wikipedia. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Man of the people, I. But I, you know, George Washington being the American Cincinnatus, it's pretty nice. That's pretty good. What's a Cincinnatus? Uh, he was Cincinnatus a, was a. He was a Roman, who assumed power as dictator. This was before, the the Senate or before um, the Empire. Um, to lead them through a time of crisis and then he gave up power and went back to his farm so yeah he's kind of like the i mean he was a real person but he's like this mythical character who almost like he's like the ideal of what a roman citizen should be right you serve and then you go back because nobody ever does that and steps yeah. down from a position of power yeah hmm. so the american cincinnatus is that what it was Eric? yeah I mean, one. he was part of the the group um, <clears throat> called the Society of the Cincinnati that was like mm -hmm. these former Revolutionary War officers um, that he was like part of. And then it kind of turned into 
they, you know, they wanted to decline offers of power and position, but it ended up, he realized it was kind of a way for people to nepotize the whole thing. And, you know, we're revolutionary war officers. So, you know, when you need to fill cabinet positions or you need to assign people or appoint people, you kind of come to us and you pass down membership in that society to your children rather than through merit. Again, we touched on that earlier. That doesn't uh, the best way to do so. things. Uh, well, I think that's a good way to wrap this episode yeah. up. Um, thanks for watching everybody and or listening and uh, make sure you like subscribe, follow. And if you want one of our dad about history magnets or stickers, Feel free to let me or Eric know and we will get one out to you. Yeah. There it is. It's glorious. And it, it is. It, and they do work. They stick to your car like nobody's business. Yeah. So. Well, and if you saw the video, you can put them on oh. so many other things. Oh, yeah. Car, well, I stuck it to the dog, side of my car. Your globe. And I couldn't get it off. I had to get like a note card to slide. It, it was rough. I'm just saying. So. Okay. If you have a rust spot on your car, you can slap it on there. It's like oh. it's never there. <laughs> huh? Next, next we're going to get dad bod history car wraps. Wraps? Let's do it. For a small fee. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm thinking shirts are next. Shirts? Yeah, we can wear it around and people be like, what is that? I can be like, yeah. leave me alone. Don't talk to me. Man, you're a marketing genius. <laughs> I, I mean, like it, no, because you're playing hard to get. Yeah, and so you're gonna make them want it more. You, do you but want to subscribe? Don't don't follow Dad Bod History. Yeah, don't unfollow us. I want you to really want it. <laughs> that or a Dad Bod History mask. He, I don't know if you saw last week when he he signed us off. He goes, "Hey, make sure you feel free to comment on our videos." He goes. Or whatever, don't, I don't care. Maybe we'll read it. <laughs> but what hard to get. who might have judge? Because we got six new subscribers last week, so it must have worked. No, no, like yesterday. Not even last. Well, I mean, yeah, that's all we got last week too. So we'll get there. Was it that, was it that demographic we talked about before? No, I think it was a different I think I think my wife let something slip to some seventh graders. That's fine. <laughs> That's fine. Whatever. They could learn some history. Aren't you their teacher? So are you telling them that they're being failed in school? <laughs> I put that on the next te- teacher <laughs> on the next test. I'll just put a link and be like, go there, subscribe, <laughs> and you'll get an A. That's absolutely not true. It's not how I. It's true. Not how kids earn A's. They earn them. I'm just a scorekeeper. <laughs> I don't hand out A's. Okay, coach. Everybody settle down. <laughs> All right. Well, tune in next week. We, we love, uh, love to have you. And thanks for watching. And uh, like, subscribe, follow. See you all next time. Bye.